When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. These are the Keishi Tapes. You, Man, and Favaz explore the backstories and interviews heard on Keishi, the longest-running rock station in the country. Hey, we're back. It's time for of the Keishi Tapes. I'm John Eulett. You can follow me on Twitter at STLUman, and my partner is... Favaz, and you can find me at Keishi Guy on Twitter. Today, we're going to dissect an interview that was done in 2001 by myself with Bob Weir, the legendary member of uh, the uh, Grateful Dead. And it was on the phone, mm-hmm. and I remember it being in the studios at the Annex building. Right. That was the year we moved, actually. Uh, we were in the Annex for the good bulk of that year, but then we moved over to the uh, uh, powerhouse after that. Yeah, this, uh, this interview uh, started off very low in terms of volume. I could barely hear him. I remember trying to fix the adjustment. That's because he's high, John. Well, that could be the case. <laughs> Finally, we got it set up. I thought for sure he was going to hang up on us. But he, he hung in there, and uh, and we got a halfway decent interview out of him. He uh, goes into quite a few things uh, about St. Louis in particular, and Good. there's some things that people well, might not know about a connection that St. Louis has with the Grateful Dead, too. That didn't eventually happen, but it was... A, I'm assuming a, you're talking about the Fox Theater. Yes. Good. I, I yeah. was hoping that would be on this uh, yeah. on this interview. Yeah, he, will, you'll hear it soon. Yeah, he addresses that and, and other things, too. But uh, as far as the Grateful Dead go, I've... I, they have a lot of songs that I like, mm-hmm. but I was never I never considered myself a deadhead. I, I didn't get into anything beyond the more well-known songs. Exactly. And uh, I like his songs that he sings, and um, he uh, is still looking good. He looks like an old stoner you yeah. know, today, and he's friends with Sammy Hagar, and Sammy told me a, a very funny story about him almost driving off. You want me to save it? Save it for the end. Okay. Yeah, save that for the end. <laughs> Uh, and he talks about his the, the various bands that he was also in, like uh, uh, Bobby and the Midnights, Rat Dog, uh, and, right. and uh, other oh, uh, cool. Kingfish. Good. So we'll get into all that kind of stuff, too. I told you to put Don't your phone on vibe. It. Sorry, man. Come on, man. This happens every show. <laughs> <laughs> hey, my phone has its own personality, and uh, I said, let whatever. it express itself. Okay, sure. All right. So anyway, here we go. This is Bob Weir of The Grateful Dead, of all the other bands I just mentioned, Live on the phone, 2001, here at KC95 in St. Louis. And with us on this morning is Bob Weir, of course, of The Grateful Dead, formerly of The Grateful Dead. Bob, how do you, how does somebody introduce you anymore as far as your connection goes with The Grateful Dead? I said, well, hi, I'll do. <laughs> well, hi. All right. You're going to be coming to St. Louis. Uh, Rat Dog is your band, and, and St. Louis is going to be the first date for you on this tour. It sounded like he hung up, didn't it? It did sound like he probably just dropped the phone. <laughs> he was tired of messing with this dude on the phone. If I finally get it started, and his joke is, well, I'll just hang up on him when he gets it together. We're honored. Why, thanks. Uh, looking forward to it. We've been rehearsing all that kind of stuff. I won't say that we're uh, we're in uh, full form, but we'll have we'll have some fun. Who's in the band these days? Well, okay, we've got uh, we've got Rob Wasserman on bass, we've got Jay Lane on drums, Jeff Cumenti on keyboards, uh, Mark Karen on guitar, and uh, Kenny Brooks on sax. 
I think Wasserman was the only one that I the name that rings a bell to me that was in the in the Grateful Dead. I didn't uh, recognize him, and I will say that his speaking voice sounds like his singing voice. Yeah, it does a lot. Yeah, yeah. Did I just read somewhere where Wasserman just recently got married? Yeah. When was that? Uh, well, about a month ago now. About a month ago now. Yeah. You like the way the band is is progressing here? Uh, Rat Dog has been around now how many years? With this lineup, about three years. Uh huh. And that you know we're starting to we're starting to knit together. I think. I was I was also wondering if the uh, further festival was going to happen. Oh, you bet. We got our we got our best guys on it. Uh, it'll it'll happen this summer at some point. But uh, I think early in the summer. But we haven't we don't we haven't dotted all the i's and crossed all the t's yet. We're speaking with Bob Weir. Bob, you keep yourself busy with Rat Dog. If the Further Festival comes off again, you'll be doing that. And, and, and you do play, you, you get around, you play with a lot of different people. Uh, I, I've always had this impression of you as, a, and, I, and I know the, the Grateful Dead per se, I mean, really ended up being a, a, a huge financial success, an, an entity, a, a thing that took on a life of its own. But I always envision you and individual members of the band as people who were just about the music and, and whatever happened commercially or financially in a, in a successful way just kind of like happened. Is that accurate? Pretty accurate, I think. I mean, really all we do is play. Um, you know, I, I don't play a lot of golf or anything like that. So uh, I, spent, I, I spent a lot of time with the music. Well, I, I asked that question, but now, again, this was 2001, I think mm-hmm. back now, and they may have been the first, either them or Kiss, the first to, I guess you'd have to say Kiss with the dolls and things like that. Yeah. But the, the Grateful Dead were pretty early, too, with their, their ties. Remember the, uh, the Grateful oh, yes, Dead yes, ties were, yes. were initially a pretty big deal, and they were the first ones, one of the first ones to ever market themselves with commercial products like that. And, you know, uh, bands, you know, certainly these days and probably back then and before then, uh, they make their money touring. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the Grateful Dead were never like, uh, you know, you know, tons of, of platinum records or, or anything like that. But they were always on the road. They always sold out wherever they went. And that's where they made their money. Yeah. And and they had this image of a band that had this this tremendous cult following, which was true. Mm-hmm. But it, it might not have been as big as, as you know, we might have thought of it actually being when you think of commercially successful groups. They're probably nowhere near, like you said, you know, U twos of the world and, right. and other bands like that. So, so uh, their them? image, I think, in some cases, is much bigger than what they really possibly were. Did you see them? No, I've never seen. You've them. never seen. Them. I saw them no. one time, uh-huh. and it was, uh, I believe, that time. Uh, one of the times they came to the uh, what Riverport uh, Riverport Amphitheater, and uh, I just remember it was good. But I hate jammy bands, man. I hate when bands go into long jams. They lose me. I don't care. And I love the Black Crows. They went through their period. The Almond mm-hmm. Brothers do that. Just just long fifteen minute songs. I'm just like, oh, okay. yeah. I don't and like I- that in concert. I don't mind it uh, in a recording session, really? recording situation. Yeah, I, I like can listen either. to I can listen yeah. to a CD like that. I want to hear the music, musicianship qualities of the individuals involved. A lot of times, but at a concert, I want to hear. I want to get into the hits. I want to get right. get to the songs that I really like. Yeah. yeah. What's your most uh, proud musical moment? If you can proud. conjure one up here. Hey, let me think. Probably. I use the word conjure, by the way. <laughs> right out of Green Acres. <laughs> one of the nights that uh, either Ornette Coleman or. Uh, or Branford Marsalis, but I think uh, uh, the night that uh, Ornette Coleman sat in with us for you know all night, basically it was uh, it was we um, went some uh, some pretty. I'm sorry, I have no idea who that is. Yeah, Annette Coleman. Yeah, 
Yeah. Who is she? I don't know. <laughs> Out there places with him. You know, we still play here on the Casey Classic Show on Sunday mornings uh, music from Bobby and the Midnights. Uh, oh, what, what was that? Oh, he's about to expound. What yeah. was that? That was me. Uh, isn't that weird how I had the exact same wow. reaction now as I did back then? <laughs> That's crazy. I know it was you, but I thought you were, like, saying, like, ah, that was no, no good or no, something. That was, that was, you know, there was some good stuff that we did. Yeah, there I think a, so. A good little band. It, did, it, it, didn't, it didn't hang together because, it really, it was a, a part-time band. And uh, we had guys living on different continents and stuff like that, so it was... <laughs> yeah, that would make it hard to keep the yeah, band together. I think so. Rehearsal might be a bitch. Yeah, a good song from them was called Too Many Losers. <laughs> really? Too many, too many Losers, yeah. Right. In order to rehearse, for instance, you had to you couldn't call a rehearsal in the morning. You had to, you had to plan it like months in advance. Wow. Okay, like, <laughs> well, see, this is why I don't like to listen to interviews ahead of time. Because yeah. once again, just with the Melon Camp a couple of weeks ago, he now said that <laughs> rehearsals were a bitch. <laughs> well, that just popped into my head as a joke. I mean, I haven't listened to the whole thing either in a long time, this, uh, this interview. So. That's so funny. I wonder if I just remember it. Now, that you, can't be you, me. You, no, not with my memory. <laughs> yeah, we still play the song Too Many Losers. Was that the... the... I'm sorry. Come on, John. <laughs> the big song, the biggest song, most well-known song, you think, from the group? Uh, you know, I don't think so. I think we had uh, a couple of things like Josephine and, uh, and Wrong Way Feeling from earlier on that people used to like. Well, see, that makes sense because Casey classics often weren't songs off albums that the artists expected to be right. their, their best songs. Do you know those you know? songs he's talking about? No. Okay. Yeah, we never play those other songs okay. that I know of. Yeah. Now, how did that band come together? Uh, you know, it, it sort of fell together slowly. Over uh, over about five years after I made the Heaven Help the Fool record, um, you know, I I just sort of I jammed one night with Billy Cobham and uh, and Alfonso Johnson was an old friend of mine, so we brought those guys in and uh, and then uh, I met Brett some Brent somewhere along the way, uh-huh. and uh, I guess we uh, we traded out Brent for Brent Midland for Dave Garland. At some point, Bobby Cochran was an old friend of mine. It, you know, it just sort of happened organically. We're speaking with Bob Weir, Bob Weir of Rat Dog, of, of course, Grateful Dead fame. Bob, another one of your groups we still play music from here, because Casey goes way back with Grateful Dead and with right. you. Um, Kingfish. Uh-huh. We play Hypnotize, uh, that live version of that song. Yeah. Love that tune. Thanks. We still get a lot of requests for that one. That was uh, right. that was actually written by uh, David <laughs> Torbert, and uh, I think... Tim Hovey, who was our sound man in Kingfish, had had a hand in that as well. Well, I fell into that band when it was already going. Matthew Kelly and David Torbert put that one together with uh, Robbie Hodnot and um, and Chris, the drummer. I can't remember his last name. Uh, I lo- and, uh, stop yeah. I-, I love it how Bob is mentioning all of these names, and I have no idea... <laughs> I'm sure the people out there listening yeah. uh, have no idea who they're talking about. Dave Torbert was the bass player, and I uh, played also in The Grateful Dead, New Writers, The Purple Sage. Uh, he's... Was Bob Weir in that, New Writers? No. Okay. No. That was and, Jerry? Uh, the Grateful Dead knocked off for a year, and those guys were coming through town, and Matthew was an old an old friend of mine. I went to junior high with him, and, uh, and he called me up and told, he told me that they were playing Come On Down, I brought my instrument, and played with him that night and we decided okay well, let's let's do this and we did for a couple of years a few years actually what's it like to be uh, someone like yourself a musician who has left a long 
trail, a long, successful, and well-respected trail of music behind him in various bands. Of course, most of it with the Grateful Dead, but you, you've you've really been able to, to accomplish a lot. Uh, you know, I don't leave myself a whole lot of time to look back. Yeah. I, you know, the last couple of weeks we've been involved in rehearsal, and that's a full-time gig. And, um, you know, just in general, uh, you know, I've, I've got plenty to do. And uh, <laughs> it doesn't leave a lot of time for reverie. What about the Grateful Dead? Uh, some comments, if you can give us, uh, regarding that band and its place in history. And Well, you know, with regard to that band, a lot of people ascribe us the, uh, they're, they're calling us, you know, the, uh, the, the founders of the jam band uh, aesthetic or whatever you call it, mm-hmm. genre. And really that's not true. Uh, what we were doing, I guess we carried a torch for a while, but if you go back through American music, music, musical history, our, our American musical heritage, um, you know, that's, that's been going on for at least the last hundred years. Uh, we just picked up on that at a time when, uh, when, when it wasn't, when it wasn't the popular thing to do. The radio was playing short songs and, uh, everything was getting shorter. And, uh, for us, that wasn't particularly satisfying. We'd like to stay the theme and then work it, take it for a little walk in the woods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, there you go. I mean, take that's it for a walk in the woods. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. Take the song. Still don't them. like it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just don't. But and, <laughs> what, what's he talking about, though? It's been going on for a hundred years. I, I, I mean, it was the when I think of jam bands, I think of them, and I think of the uh, the Allman Brothers band. I think he's talking outside of the rock and roll genre. I don't know, man. Yeah. It's just, uh, uh, but he makes a good point there that he's right that he, as far as radio is concerned anyway, back in the 50s and 60s, three minutes, two and a half minute yeah. songs was everything. And they just weren't into that. And so they, you yeah. know, just remember that's the why Queen they stuck. movie, the, We Will Rock or uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. They, they fought to get that song on their record because the guy at the record company was saying, oh, it's got to be two, three minutes long. Yeah. And it was a six minute song and it was their biggest hit ever. Did I ever tell you the story that I experienced with Bohemian Rhapsody in 1975? No. I was working in Jeff City at KLIK, which was a top 40 station. Kalik? Kalik, yeah. No, 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 no. Well, no, Click is oh, what we call it. Yeah, but you. Yeah, the, Sorry. The X rated version. Kalik Radio, come and lick us. No, 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 no. Lick, 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 lick the DJs. No. Hey. Uh, hey. Uh, no, so it was a click, and um, uh, the music director's name was Jim Sullins at the time, mm-hmm. and I had been into Queen prior to that because I liked the Sheer Heart Attack album, and I, I said to Jim, this song is amazing. This is crazy because I always was impressed with their, their harmonizing and all yes. that. You know, no, no uh, synthesizers was on their albums and everything, so right. you, you, they were doing it with their, with their own talents, their own, own skills, and I said, man, I think this is going to be a big song. Because it was, it was climbing up the charts a little bit, but it wasn't going real fast. It was a slow grower for sure. Mm-hmm. And he said, that song will never be anything. I'll tell you that right now. Really? And we didn't play it there. They didn't play it until it got into like the top ten. Then they started playing And what it. song was it? Bohemian Rhapsody. It was Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, Bohemian Rhapsody. Where's he at now, I wonder? I don't know. But his name is Jim Sullins. If you want to get a hold of him on Facebook or something and say, hey, I know what you did. You didn't know crap back then. By you the don't way, know anything now, probably. So you know, give I'll, him some trouble. I, I, I want to say Bob sounds really uh, more with it than I thought he yeah. would. I mean, as a guy that has partied his whole life and yeah. has done some, you know, some major drugs, he sounds like he's got it together. Yeah, and apparently is remorseful over all that uh, drug uh, usage. Really? Yeah. And as I thought recently, maybe a few years ago, he came out and uh, and was 
advising people not to smoke pot anymore. Really? I want to look it up. I don't. I, I don't. I remember something like that happening. Yeah, where he just uh, did a uh, three sixty or a one eighty. What is it? It's a one eighty. One eighty. Yeah. <laughs> He's 360 and smoking again. Maybe he has done a 360 yeah, since he did the 180. All right, I'm going to look that up. All right, All right let's get ahead. back to the interview with Bob Weir, the Grateful Dead. And uh, and that's what we did. And for a while, uh, you know, I, it was down to pretty much us and the Almonds and a, and a few other, you know, one or two other groups, popular groups at least, that were uh, were doing that, and everybody else was, was trying to do uh, radio-friendly three-minute songs. Mm-hmm. Um, and in recent years, I guess, uh, the, the popularity of, uh, the whole jam band approach has kind of mushroomed. It's, uh, it's blossomed. I'm, I'm real happy to see that because I think that's where, that's where the best music comes from. If you look at, uh, you know, Count Basie, uh, Duke Ellington, Louis Jordan, any of those folks, uh, that's what they were doing. We had, you know, we, we just, we got good at uh, okay. at uh, well, working off of each other. I see what he's talking about now. When he mentions Duke Ellington and all that, yeah. you know, I'm sure those songs were long. But even this conversation is too long uh, because it's a chance <laughs> talking about jam bands. <laughs> <laughs> well, it gets it gets even more interesting. And I don't see anything about Bob Weir regretting smoking pot. You sure? Or I don't. I just uh, put Bob sure. Weir regrets, and I don't see anything. Well, you didn't put the whole thing. No, right, regrets right, smoking right. pot. Okay, I'm going to do that right now. Or doing drugs, regrets doing drugs. All right, let's see. You looked that right, up. Go ahead. Hit the two, hit the uh, sort of a jazz approach, but uh, uh, we took it into popular realms and even into country realms. When did you know enough was enough, though, on a particular song? Maybe when you were playing live or when you were recording. When did you know you had reached the point where it was time to take that song in a different direction? When the audience started snoring, I don't know. <laughs> Or to end it? Uh, well, you know, when we all agreed, sometimes we didn't know. Sometimes we overstayed our welcome. Sometimes we didn't <laughs> stay long enough, from my taste. But uh, it was when everybody agreed it was time to move on. At, at any point, uh, do you remember the pressures? You talked about the three-minute songs that everybody was kind of doing there uh, eventually in, in rock and roll after you got through the real progressive days. Do you have any recollections of you guys trying to also deal with that kind of pressure from record companies? Or did you ever, ever feel that? Uh, well... They would make suggestions, but after, um, particularly after we had some success with the records that we put out, uh, they they figured, okay, let's just let these guys do what they do because uh, you know it doesn't seem to be broken, and there's certainly no fixing it. We're speaking with Bob Weir of the Grateful Dead uh, and uh, Rat Dog. Now, Rat Dog is coming to St. Louis on the 27th of March, and we'll have more information for you on that uh, as uh, later on in the show here today. Great. Bob, um, I appreciate you being with us here today. Any recollections of St. Louis in particular, and maybe even oh, Casey home, Radio? Home. Because uh, before he gets into that, yeah. First of all, I found that he says marijuana is addictive. Yes, that and and he know he says that if guys he knows guys that if they went off on it, they would probably get anxiety and the shakes and and, and all that stuff if they didn't have it. Is that what you were talking about? Uh, well, I know he said it was addictive, and that he wishes that he hadn't done it. I don't. Rem- I, I don't see. Well, you don't see that. I, I don't feel like reading the whole thing. Oh, I'm, I'm okay. A, you know, <laughs> Yeah. But he's going to talk about St. Louis. Now, yeah, here we so, go. Here we go. You know, Casey was the only station playing you guys back then for many, many years in St. Louis. I remember Casey real well, actually. Um, as far as St. Louis is concerned, we had a lot of crazy times. It was really the first town that we got a toehold in uh, and achieved some popularity in back in the uh, late '60s uh, when we started when we started hitting the road. It was uh, 
St. Louis and New York were our first uh, outposts. Uh, it expanded from there, but but uh, we've been coming to St. Louis since forever, and uh, many is the story I could tell you about the times we, you know, the the, uh, the crazy times we had there. Uh, we used to have parties. Sure. There was a party one time out there, uh, out in, I don't know if it was Wentzville or somewhere, they were there was a deck that collapsed. They were there was, there was that was near sort of, the end. That yeah. was right before Jerry died. I thought there was some sort of yeah. uh, party they were having. I do remember that people got hurt. Come there and play the Fox Theater, as I recall. And uh, after the show, we'd go back out to where we were staying. We used to stay at the El- the airport Hilton. <laughs> oh my God! And uh, they had a, a great big courtyard there uh, with lawn, huge lawn, sort of rolling hills and stuff like that. And, mm-hmm. Uh, it got pretty nuts there, and they never called the police for some reason, and uh, and they just sort of let us have our our way out there, and we did. You consider yourself a survivor, Bob, or or uh, or not? Or has life been pretty easy for you? Uh well, I I certainly got no complaints. You know, I've, I've always just done what I've wanted to do, which is play music, and uh, so life has been pre- pretty kind to me. I have to. I have to admit. How's the family situation? Uh, do, you, do you have grown children or what? I have I have a three-year-old daughter right now. She answered the phone. Yeah, I noticed that. She's uh, <laughs> cute. What's you don't her have name? That on uh, Monet. And she's your only child? Yeah. I'll be darned. Well, how'd you keep that from happening for so long, buddy? I uh, can't say that I was all that careful, but uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know exactly. <laughs> I, I can't actually tell you that, but, that uh, she's my only child for sure, but I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Good question. You know, uh, thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> Getting to the heart of things. That I, I was I was going to make it my first question, but no. it's a it's a it's a very valid question. Yeah. How the hell he did it? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Rock stars like yourself. You mean you have the image of uh, you know there's sex everywhere and and the, everybody's aware of the drug situation and all that stuff. And I think all that stuff to a certain degree probably gets built up to mythical levels, or maybe not. You tell me. Well, I tell you, I, you know, I. I had a chance to shop around, and I took full advantage of it. I'm sort of settled down now, I guess. I just heard a phone. You have to at some point, don't you, in your life? Yeah. So, so Monet, what has she done for you? Well, uh, she just did a uh, painting for me this morning. Oh, that's That's awesome. That's not what you meant. And uh, (laughs) stuff like that. Actually, she was, uh, she was, she came up with her first poem yesterday where I, I can't exactly remember what it was. It was something like Ugly Buggly. <laughs> Ugglyna Buggleena. That was it. Sounds to me like there's a song in there. Right. Could be. Yeah. Well, Bob, thanks for being with us today. You bet. Thank you. All right, Bob Weir right there. Is that there. the end? That's the end. Oh. He he did not understand what you meant. Did you mean what has she done for you, like, spiritually, emotionally? Yeah, just, you know, when you have children, they change <laughs> your life. Straight. <laughs> oh, she wrote a poem. <laughs> Can you imagine being Bob Weir's kid? I mean, what would life so be like? So that kid is now uh, yeah, twenty years old. Seventeen, yeah, twenty years old. Yeah, wow. Um, yeah, I have a nineteen-year-old in my house too, yeah. so I, I know the difference there. Yeah. But yeah, I uh, I would imagine him being a very laid-back father. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that kid's probably uh, has no discipline whatsoever. No, Just none. Kind of like kind of like my nineteen-year-old. <laughs>
Anyway, uh, you said that uh, Sammy Hagar had a story about Bob Weir. So Bob is really good friends with Sammy Hagar. And I remember Sammy told me once that, um, I mean, they would smoke a lot of dope together. You know, Bob, I I remember him saying that Bob would bring his in mason jars. So if you bring it in mason jars, you know it's probably really good (laughs) weed. So uh, one night uh, they were at his house in Cabo and Bob uh, leaving uh, Sammy's, you know, residence there, uh, put it in reverse or forward and his car almost went off the cliff. Oh my gosh. So much so that the two wheels were off. So yeah, it was that dangerous. So they had, so they had to go out and get Bob and call a tow company and get Bob Weir's car off (laughs) And then Bob drove home. And I was like, hmm, why did he put it in for, in, in forward? You know, I mean, he probably shouldn't have been driving, but I, I don't know. Right. But I remember that story about Bob. Well, they say driving high, uh, there, it's, it's not unsafe. I don't uh, agree with that. No, I don't either. I don't either. I mean, we could get into a debate about all yeah. this, you know, legalization of pot and everything. I just, uh, I, I'm not like, yeah, we should do it. No, I'm, yeah. I'm not. That, that part scares me yeah. right there. Well, there you go. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Bob Weir. Uh, Bob Weir's still alive and still going strong. Uh, yeah. he's, uh, the Rat Dog thing, he still tours with Rat Dog uh, mm-hmm. from time to time and, uh, um, you know, trying to keep the uh, Grateful Dead music alive in concerts and stuff. And I uh, I still enjoy hearing Grateful Dead music to this day. I, I can still enjoy, uh, you know, Uncle John's band. Yep, uh, absolutely. Uh, trucking. Trucking, mm-hmm. um, Alabama Bucket, Getaway. even Alabama Bucket, all yeah. those, those really good songs. I wish I could have got into more stuff with him, but we only had a limited time. Good job, John. It was oh. a good interview. Well, thank you. Solid. Thank you, Favaz. Appreciate right. that. What's next week? We don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll see you then. We don't know. I don't know. Maybe Jimmy Page. Remember? Yeah, that'd be a good one. Yeah. But we do coming up, we have Nick Mason and we have Roger Waters because of El Monstero. So that'll be coming up in the month of uh, December. But, uh, you know, we just decided on Bob Weir yesterday. <laughs> yeah. El Monstero is a show that w- that is done here in St. Louis. If you're listening outside of St. Louis, you're not aware. Uh, it's a, it's a, a band that has uh, been a tribute group to Pink Floyd, and they are spectacular. And, and they, they do only whole... do it, yeah, they only, uh, really only do it here, maybe Chicago, Kansas City, Springfield, that's it. Yeah. They don't tour behind it. So, so. that's why we'll have Nick Mason and yeah. uh, Roger Waters to tie into that event here locally in St. Louis. It'll be cool. All, All right, right uh, until next time, you man here, uh, saying so long. You can follow me on Twitter at STLUman. Favaz, Casey Guy. Ready? Our sign-off. One, two, three. Adios, my friend. The Casey Tapes with you, man, and Favaz. For more on the history of Casey, go to Casey95.com or the Casey mobile app. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes. From running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton. Motivation that moves you.